Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Good evening. Uh, My name is Pastor Dan. I'm one of the two teaching pastors here at Crosswalk, and it's going to be my privilege uh, to lead you through Good Friday worship tonight. Tonight, as we go through worship, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, We are going to have the songs broken up a little bit. We're going to have a number of lessons as we go through the last hours of Jesus' life. And we are going to take time to pray as well and ask the Lord to be with us. But as we are here tonight, we are also here as part of a a bigger picture in, in our series called The Ultimate Fighter. For those of you who have been with us for a while, you will remember that we started the Ultimate Fighter series a number of weeks ago, and and we really covered the last week of Jesus' life. It started with Palm Sunday, which would have been the, the Sunday before Easter, seven days before Easter. And it was there that we celebrated the, the fighter's entrance as a humble king. We went then to Thursday, uh, Thursday evening at, at dinner time when they were celebrating the Passover. And Jesus gave the fighter's legacy, uh, something for us to enjoy from generation to generation. His body and blood along with the bread and wine, a celebration of the forgiveness of sins that he gives us. Later that night, we watched and listened to the fighter's prayer. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. That was followed almost immediately by the fighter's betrayal. When Judas came, uh, brought the the, the uh, guard from the Sanhedrin where Jesus was arrested and he betrayed Jesus, betrayed him with a kiss. After that, we went to the rejection, the rejection of the people calling for his crucifixion. And then yet, last week was the humiliation where he was mocked and made fun of as, as the king. Today we are going to go now in this ultimate fighter series as we've made our way to today. Today is the day that we've been waiting for. Today is the fight. Today is when Jesus went after our enemies and went in the ring with them toe-to-toe of sin, death, and Satan. And it's that fight that we are going to focus on uh, because it's the fight not only of Jesus' life, but it's the fight for our life, for our eternal life. And it's a fight that we know Jesus has won, and it's a fight that we remember and we celebrate tonight. So as we worship, again, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to go to readings and and prayer and back and forth with singing as well. And so at this time, though, I ask you to bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord God, on this day we gather to remember the suffering and death of our Savior Jesus. He was despised and rejected, oppressed and afflicted. Yet he was prepared, he was the one sent by God, the anointed one, the Christ, to be wounded for our transgressions and for our sins. As we come tonight, may we be overwhelmed by the depth of Jesus' love for us and his commitment to defeat evil, even when that meant his own suffering and his own death. And Lord, in his willingness to make us righteous, he poured himself out to death, even death on a cross, And so in response to such love and sacrifice, we commit ourselves as his disciples to overcome evil with good, suffering with wholeness, and to overcome oppression with justice. 
And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Our first lesson is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 through 69. And as we we look at Good Friday, really Good Friday, a lot of times we think of Jesus suffering on the cross, and, and that's correct that we should do that, but really Good Friday encompasses so much more than that. And so where we are starting is with his first trial, his, his trial with the Jews before uh, the ruling body called the Sanhedrin. And as we look at this, the, the, the point of, of this lesson that I would encourage you to see is the role that Jesus plays, yes, as our Savior, but he's also a prophet from God a prophet who comes to speak God's word, a prophet who comes to tell us what God wants us to hear. And in these words, they were chosen specifically as we go through this portion so that we would hear this message that Jesus is speaking and proclaiming as the prophet, as someone from God, that he is the son of God. He is the Christ who has come to pay for sin. Matthew 26, beginning with the 57th verse. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard outside of the high priests. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I charge you, under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, As we come to worship on this Good Friday, we are able to see Jesus as the Son of God and as the Christ who has come from God. He has given so many proofs as we look at the miracles that he performed, as we listen to his teaching and and binding up the brokenhearted and, and healing the lame and all of those different things that the Old Testament prophets said that he would do. For each one of us here today, let us see Jesus clearly as he is, the Son of God, the Christ, who has come to take away our sin. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our second lesson is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 27, beginning with the 11th verse. 
And as we, we saw, the, the first lesson was as Jesus, as the prophet, speaking God's word, identifying himself as the Christ. The second lesson, we look at Jesus in his office as the king, uh, the, the one who has come to rule, the one who has come to fight on behalf of his people. And, and it's before Pilate, uh, after the Sanhedrin had found him worthy of death, they, they went to Pilate and, and again tried to come up with all these reasons why he should be put to death. And finally what they came up with is that he claimed to be a king and should for that reason be put to death. And in these words from Matthew 27, we see Jesus as our king. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose, whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which do you want me to release to you, Jesus or Barabbas? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two men do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the people. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. All the people answered, may his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, when we see Jesus, we see the one who truly is our king. And, and Jesus made it clear that his kingdom is not of this world, but yet he came as our king into this world to fight for us. And so, Lord, as we see Jesus, may he sit on the throne of our hearts. May he rule us. May, may we turn to him and, and may he fight for us as we watch him on the cross to realize that he is doing it as our king. And finally, Lord, rule in our hearts and in our lives. And finally, take us out of this world to your kingdom in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every Sunday when Jonathan is up here, he leads us in a confession of sins. And confession is important. As we think about the confession, it's admitting to God the wrong that we have done. 
And I think one of the things that, that as I think about myself and, and sometimes with other Christians, really there's two things when, when we look at confession that we are confessing. One of them is the things that we do, the, the wrong that we have done. And maybe it's in, in the things that we think or, or the things we say or the things that we do. And, it, and it's proper and right and correct that we should confess those sins to God. But part of confession, and I think part of the confession that we sometimes fail to see is, is where those sins come from. And, and where sins come from is from a sinful heart, in the heart of sinful human beings. And, and when we confess that we are sinful, we are not confessing what we've done, but we're confessing to God what we are, what's inside of us. That sinful nature that, that does not want to submit to God's law and, and does not do so. The sinful nature that is hostile to God and, and does not want to have anything to do with God. One of the things that, that as I was thinking about the confession tonight, I, I, I was thinking just about my, my past, my 48 years of Good Fridays. And, and as I look back and, and the celebration of Good Friday that I've had over my years, one of the, the a hymn that, that I learned as a child, uh, it just keeps coming back to me. And the name of the, the hymn is Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. And, it, and it's, it's a hymn based on uh, Isaiah 53 that, that points to everything that was done to Jesus and, and everything that he bore on Good Friday to, to take our sin. But the second verse of that hymn is one that I, I, I remember and I want to share with you today as we confess our sin to, to maybe help you grow in an understanding of what it is you're confessing. And it, and it goes like this. It says, You who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose its evil great, here you view the nature rightly. Here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed. See who bears the awful load. Tis the word, the Lord's anointed, son of man and son of God. And I want to go over that just one moment. You who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose its evil great. What that is is when we minimize the sin we do. It's no big deal. It's when we minimize the, the sin inside of us. You know what? I'm basically a good person. I just do bad things every once in a while. That is not a, a confession of sin. That's a minimizing and a rationalizing of sin. And one thing that helps us to, to make a, a proper confession of sin is to see the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the reality of it is, is if none of you lived and it was just me. No other people would, would live in the history of the world but me. Jesus would have had to die that same death. That as I look at the cross, it's a death that I deserve. That is what this verse is talking about when it's, here you view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Now you know how serious this is that the Son of God, the Lord's anointed, the Holy Word, would have to come into this world and make the payment for me. Consider that today as you confess your sins with me. 
Don't minimize them. Don't rationalize them. But confess what you've done and who you are to God. Let's bow our heads and confess our sin. Dear Lord God, I confess that I am by nature sinful. I confess that I'm by nature sinful. I am your enemy. I am hostile towards you. I I don't submit to your law, nor can I do so. And I don't want to, according to my sinful nature. It's not surprising that the result can be seen in my life. I sin against you in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. I do evil things and I fail to do what is good. And Lord, especially on Good Friday, I realize how much I need and deserve to be punished. I look at the cross of Jesus Christ and I see that the punishment that I deserve. And Lord, this is a punishment that, that, that is all-encompassing. It affects me emotionally. I deserve the punishment of, of guilt and the pain of sin and broken relationships. I deserve physical punishment as I see that physical punishment of Jesus on the cross. But more than that, I deserve spiritual punishment, which is separation from you, not only in this life from your blessings, but also for an eternity. And Lord, as I stand here before you, the words on my mouth are, help. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive me for Jesus' sake. Amen. We now go to the Lord in prayer as we join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Sometimes I feel like the human language is inadequate to describe how much you are loved by God. And for that reason, it's like the Bible makes up its own words, like grace and mercy. As you think about grace, undeserved love, or another way to think of grace, especially on on Good Friday, is God's riches at Christ's expense. That when we look at the cross, in case there's any doubt how much you are loved by God, look at the cross of Jesus Christ. He went there. What held him to the cross? His love for you. What was he thinking about on the cross? You and the forgiveness of sins that, that he came to win for you. See, the sinful nature works two ways. One, on one side of the sinful nature, it says, you know what, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I don't, I don't need the payment that Jesus makes. But on the other side is despair, where the, where the, the sinful nature says, what I've done is so bad that, that what Jesus does can't even cover it. But God wants us in the middle there to know that Christ's sacrifice for sins was effective your sins, not only what you have done, but he has cured who you are through the forgiveness of sins and through the blood of Jesus Christ on Good Friday. In the peace of that forgiveness, go in peace, knowing that Christ has paid the the price for all of your sins. Amen. Please be seated.
as we look at the work that Jesus came to do, already said he's a prophet speaking God's word. He is our king. But Jesus also, the third office that, that he came to be for us was the priest. Then the priest was the one who would offer the sacrifice, would offer the, the Passover lamb. The, the priest would offer uh, the burnt offering. All of the different offerings uh, that, that were meant to be offered would be done by the priest. And, and Jesus came not only as the priest, but he also came as the lamb. And so he sacrificed himself on the cross. And that is where we go for our third lesson, is, is to the cross. Luke 23, beginning with the 26th verse. As the soldiers led him away, they see Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that have never bore, and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, we know that Jesus came as our priest and as the sacrifice for sin, and, and we recognize that it's on the cross, on a hill outside of the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus was offered once for the sins of all mankind, for all people, once for all, the, the sinless for the sinful. And Lord, as we see the, the sacrifice being made, help us to see and understand and believe that it is a sufficient sacrifice. The blood of Jesus truly does forgive all sins for all people. Uh, let us always proclaim this good news with every breath we have. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Another thing we do at worship, we confess sins. We do that every week. Another thing we do, though, is we confess our faith. And one of the ways that we normally confess our faith is in the words of the Apostles' Creed. And when we confess that creed, a creed is a statement of belief. We, we confess that we believe in, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who made us, the Son who has ransomed us, who has redeemed us, who has paid the price for our sins, and the Holy Spirit who makes us holy, who lives inside of us, who brings us to faith. Today for our statement of belief, what we are going to do is we're going to look specifically at that what's called the second article, that we believe in Jesus Christ. And, and there was a short explanation to that second article uh, of Jesus and, and coming into the world that Martin Luther wrote. And it's that uh, explanation to the second article that we are going to confess today on Good Friday. And I ask you to join me. We join together. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, 
purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. I ask you to look in your program and you will see our notes uh, for our message this evening. The ultimate fighter, and this is the ultimate fight. When you you think about the celebration of Good Friday, it's it's kind of a, a strange holiday because it is the celebration of the capital punishment and putting to death of, of Jesus and, and of a person who you could argue was innocent uh, and, and a, a death that was wrong and, and right at the same time. And it, it's just very interesting when you think of it in terms of, of capital punishment and someone being put to death. And I've talked about this, I think, in a message before when uh, what your feelings are about capital punishment. Do you believe that the government should put people to death or not. And, and I understand that, that it can be a, a, a touchy subject and, and that people feel very strongly one way or another. And what, what I find interesting about the argument for capital punishment and, and when you look at its history, I would say, whether you're for capital punishment or, or against it, that the way that our country does capital punishment is not the way capital punishment was meant to be done. And, and, I, and I just ask you to go back maybe 100 years. And 100 years ago, imagine if you're in a town, maybe in Arizona, um, maybe in Texas, uh, where there was a death penalty. And what would happen is a, a person, if they were guilty of this crime, they, they would uh, be arrested. They would go before a judge and, and perhaps a jury. And if their crime was one that was punishable by death, they would receive a sentence. And if they uh, received the sentence of death, they would say, okay, you're going to be executed. But then what they would do would be something that would be very interesting. Very often what they would do is they would build a gallows on Main Street. They they would do it right out in front, uh, right downtown. Where, where everyone would walk by and, and the person would have to wait until the gallows were built and then once they were built would be the day that they would uh, be executed. And the thing about it is they would do it at noon when everyone was in town. And, and what they would do is they would read the charges and, uh, against that person and then as people were there, possibly with their children, Uh, to witness this execution. And the message was very clear. You know, little Jimmy, if you're going to steal a horse, that's what we do to horse thieves in this town. And now maybe you want to think twice about stealing a horse, don't you? Or or that person shot another person with a a pistol. They shot him in the back. And, And when you kill someone, you know what happens? That's what happens. Now, I don't know how many kids were traumatized by that, 
uh, as opposed to how many kids decided, you know what, maybe I'll think twice about stealing a horse or I'll think twice about shooting someone. But there was, in those days, right or wrong, the the way that an execution was done, it was done in public so that everyone would see it. And they would learn from this. They would learn from this execution that this is something that you do not want to do. I guess maybe a part of me is a little partial to that way of capital punishment because that's the way our God did it. When you think of this, and when you think of the, the death of Jesus Christ, was there a more public execution ever? Think about it even now. When you, you think of the fact that, that we have a cross up in, in, in front of our church, if people from 2,000 years ago would come and see a cross in front of the church, they'd be like, are you people nuts? It would be like us today having a, an electric chair or uh, some, maybe some rifles for, for a firing squad that we would look at that and we would say, that is so wrong on so many different levels. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to, to say about this. But that is what we are here to celebrate on Good Friday, a public execution in which, and, and we don't want this message to be lost because the message from our God is clear. This is how I treat those individuals who have unrepentant sin in their lives. This is the payment for sin, the, the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. That is a really hard message. But on Good Friday, as we look at the cross, we also realize that that's not the only message and definitely not the ending message because that message is also the message of the punishment for sins paid for you by Jesus Christ. And it's that message that we remember. And so we look, and and it's such a bittersweet day on Good Friday, bitter as we look how bitter sin is, but so sweet as we realize the depth of Jesus' love to give his life and make that payment and endure the punishment for us. And so I ask you to take a few moments with me now to recount uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And this is according to Mark chapter 15. And we start with Mark 15, verses 22 to 26. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. As we look at this, I I just want to take a moment to look at just some of the historical things. Uh, One of them is, first of all, the place in Aramaic is called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And I think a little bit earlier when I did the reading, it showed the, like the rock face Um, And I don't know if you saw the skull in it or not, but uh, we don't know if for sure that's the the exact place where he was crucified or not. But but the the place did evidently at that time, 2,000 years ago, that when you looked at it from a certain angle, it did look like a, a human skull. 
And so today, as I was standing welcoming people, it was kind of interesting. Uh, There was one little girl who came in who had a shirt with skulls on it. And I told her, that is a Good Friday shirt right there. That's a good one. Uh, that that is because it is. It, it's that when we think of it, that there's a certain morbidness to it. It's the place of the skull. It's the place of the cross. It's the place of death. And so when you think of whether it's called Golgotha or Calvary, just so you know, Calvary also means skull, just in a different language. So when you think of it, it, it seems like more of a pretty word. Think skull, because that's what it means, the place of the skull. Now, as they went in there, uh, one of the things they would sometimes do is they would offer this wine mixed with myrrh. Uh, We don't do anything quite like that. If this was a movie that you were watching today, this would be the person taking a a few shots of whiskey or drinking out of the bottle before they do a, try to sew themselves up or something, whether it's for courage or pain or whatever it is, to dull it, to take the edge off. And that's what they were offering Jesus. And, and as he goes to the cross, that he is, he is having none of that. that. That as he goes to the cross, Jesus is there to, to suffer. He is there to pay the price for sin. And then as you don't want to just gloss over the words, they crucified him. They nailed him to a cross. Uh, they, they hung him up there for the whole world to see. And we were talking about this in our growth group this last week of the suffering of Jesus as he was on the cross would have first of all been physical. And I think the physical is when we read, we understand it uh, the most. And, and maybe if you've ever seen the passion of the Christ, as gory as it is, we, we, we can see the physical part of it. Hands nailed, feet nailed, die by suffocation, just brutally, physically uh, exhausting and would ultimately kill him. But one of the things that we also want to see is that there was also an emotional pain on the cross. And now what I'm talking about is Jesus, the sinless son of God, experiencing things we've come to be very associated with, like things like guilt and things like being ashamed of what we've done, things that we live with. Imagine Jesus. Jesus never had to to live with that. But now on the cross, as he, as he was hanging on that cross, with the possibility, many times that, that people were crucified naked. Uh, it was part of the humiliation in a very public place. And, and people would come by and, and they would taunt and make fun. Understand there's an emotional piece to this as well, of that, of that guilt and shame, along with the, the denial and the betrayal and, and all of those things that came with it. Jesus experiencing things that he had never experienced before in his life. And finally, we'll get to in a moment, spiritually, separation from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffering completely on the cross. And then the final thing we see is the written charge against him, the king of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. In the blank, you can write, Jesus was charged with being a king. He was guilty. Guilty as charged. If being a king makes you guilty and deserving of death, Jesus was as guilty as they come. 
I want to make this clear, though, just, just so we're clear. Jesus was not guilty of sin. Jesus was not guilty of any wrongdoing in his life. Jesus lived perfectly, true God, true man, 100%, 100% God, 100% man in his life. Jesus lived his entire life without sin. But when it came to his first trial before the Sanhedrin, Jesus was also guilty, guilty of being the Christ. He said it the way it was. I am the son of God. I am the Christ. Guilty, you die. And before Pilate, are you a king? Jesus was very clear. I am a king. And that was the charge against him. Jesus going to the cross because he is guilty of being our savior. And if being our savior makes you guilty and if being our savior makes you someone who deserves death, that's why Jesus was on the cross. Again, not guilt because of sin, but guilt because of his association with us, his subjects. We continue. Mark 15, verse 31. A little bit later, so, so now Jesus is hanging there, now the taunting starts. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. When you look at these words, they're wrong on so many different levels and right at the same time. First of all, they're wrong. They are so wrong when you look at these people making fun of Jesus and all they can come up with is he saved others. How sad is that? That, that would be like if someone was a cancer doctor who, who helped so many different people in so many different ways that we would make fun of him or her because she died of cancer. You'd be like, what is wrong with you? I mean, that, that's like wrong on so many different levels. And that's what they're doing, making fun of Jesus. Oh, man, yeah, he, he, sa- he saved a leper so he didn't die. He, he brought a, a, a lady's son back to life. Ha. Made, made a, a blind person see. Made a lame person walk. He saved others. And it's like, don't you realize the good that this individual has done just on that level? But then they follow with he, he can't save himself. And that's a reality that, that we need to understand because it's right in so many different ways. In order for Jesus to save others, truly, not just save them from, from their physical problems, not just make their lives better, but in order for Jesus to save others, in order for him to bring people like you and me with him to heaven, Jesus can't save himself. A choice needs to be made. Someone needs to die. And Jesus made it clear who that choice was. Jesus was going to die so that we could live. Shortly after that, the words of Jesus, Mark 15, verse 34. And at three in the afternoon, so about six hours on the cross, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you don't answer any other question in the Bible, answer this one. Answer the question, Jesus wants to know, he asked this question, God, why have you forsaken me? Why has God forsaken Jesus? 
You must answer that. He asked that question not for his benefit, but for yours. Because the reason why Jesus was, was left alone, was forsaken by God on the cross, was for you. So that God would not forsake you then and, and would not forsake you now. This is Jesus taking the load of sin, experiencing hell itself, separation from God on the cross in your place. In the blank you can write, Jesus is our substitute. You can cross out our if you want and write my, because it's true. Jesus is our substitute. He's my substitute. In order to save us, in order to save me, in order to save you, he couldn't save himself. The price for sin needed to be paid, and on Good Friday it was. Jesus experienced hell on the cross and then gave his life for the payment for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. The final words, Mark 15, 37 to 39. With a loud cry, after he had yelled, it is finished, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. In the first blank, please write, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross God died on the cross to pay for your sins. Jesus Christ, true man, true God, on the cross, died. His soul and his body separated. His body was put in the ground. His soul went to be with the Lord in heaven. It's the same death that one day you will die. That's what death is, just, just so we're clear. It's, it's when your soul and body separate. For Jesus, it meant the end of this suffering, that it was paid in full, that it was done. And for us, it will mean that our time here on earth is done, and we can finally leave these, these sin-filled bodies, these sin-corrupted bodies, and go to be with our Lord in heaven until a time when body and soul are reunited, except without sin. Jesus died on the cross. The next point, the temple curtain ripped to show the way to God is open. The temple curtain ripped to show that the way to God is open. It's hard for us to imagine, and especially if you don't know anything about the temple worship, there were huge curtains, and there are some curtains in here on the side. Remember that all of the things that were done, the payment for sin with the high priest, were done behind this curtain that the people didn't even get to see it. They just heard about it. They heard about the, the sacrifices that were made and, and they couldn't go into God's presence. There was a holy place and that place was called the most holy place. And it's never a place that you would go by yourself. It's, it's never a person that anyone but the high priest would go to. But now as Jesus, the high priest, gave his life and was the sacrifice for sin once for all, 
as a symbol of our access to God, that that temple curtain was torn in two. For the first time, people saw the, the most holy place. Oh my gosh, we have access to God. We can see him now. And that's what Jesus has won for you. With sins forgiven, we don't need a priest. We don't need someone to pray for us. But with sins forgiven, we go to our God in prayer and can ask him for anything. The way to God is open through Jesus Christ. And finally, in the blank you can write, Jesus is the son of God, which means sin is paid for in full and we will want to continue to watch him. Sins are paid for in full and we will want to continue to watch him. We know that Good Friday is not the end. That if anything, Good Friday is the beginning. Uh, This is when the story uh, gets really good because we know the promises of Christ. We know that, that he called his resurrection three days later. The disciples kind of remember that. Jesus' enemies kind of remember that. Remember, they went to Pilate and they asked, please make the this, this tomb as secure as you know how. Put your seal on it, put some guards there so we can be sure that no one can get in or out. But let's see how that turns out. Let's come back next Sunday and, and see this Sunday in three days and see the promises of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, the one who has paid the price for our sin to see his victory. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, Good Friday is a bittersweet day. It's bitter because we see your sacrifice for sin, but it's sweet because we know that you came as our savior to pay for our sins. As we come here today, may we be completely open and honest with you as our God. Let us confess our sins. Let us lay them before you. Let's look to the cross of Jesus and and see the punishment that, that sin deserves. But Lord, let us also see, even more importantly, let us see the payment that has been made on our behalf. Let us know that as we stand before you, the the way to heaven is open, the way to you is open. You hear our prayers through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, and it's in his name that we put our hope. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. I've talked to a number of people who have asked me, why do we call Good Friday Good Friday? And... My first answer was, I didn't name it. I'm just calling it Good Friday. Uh, Then I told them all, you know, they're saying, because it's not really good, it's bad because Jesus died. And I told them, well, some people call it Black Friday also, that it's called that. And they said, well, you can't call it Black Friday because that's the the Friday after Thanksgiving, right? When the Black Friday, when the stores are in the black, then they're, they're making money. And I told him, well, then maybe Black Friday is what we should call it because it's a Friday where after this Friday, we're not in debt anymore, but the payment has been made for Christ for us. So whatever you call it, 
Uh, it is a day that you can go, every day you can, but especially on Good Friday, seeing the sacrifice that has been paid in full for you by Jesus. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.